we don't need more revival. We need an awakening, mm. you know. Uh, we need a, another great awakening. Uh, mm. And we've had four or five of them historically in the United States. Uh, but we're, we're desperate for one. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Episode? 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 It's hard. To, it's early, Mark. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Iris Global Green Room. I am here today with uh, a gentleman who I've known. Well, we've I think we met about eighteen years ago in Mozambique. Like that, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark Dupont, uh, who travels the globe, um, has an incredible prophetic ministry, teaching ministry, and uh, is here. You're here in Franklin over the yeah. weekend. Yeah, and, I am. Yeah. And so I called a favor, and and man, thank you so much. I know you need to head to the airport in just a little bit, yeah. but thank you for taking time to come yeah. and hang out. No, glad to do it. Glad to be with your tribe, as it were. Yeah. And uh, good to see you again. Thank you, Mark. Really, really good to see you. Okay, so uh, I, I just want to start out and give people a little bit of a background. Yeah. Um, and I let I thought it'd be fun to tell you what I think I know. Okay. And then you could correct me if I'm wrong. No. Yeah. So, like I said, we met about 18 years ago in Mozambique. You were you were making trips out there, but I think from what I know of your life, which you have been in ministry, how many years now? Uh, this is our 42nd year of international prophetic stuff. What I know of you is Toronto days, uh, being one of the the voices when everything broke off in Toronto. And you want to know a funny thing, Mark? I just met with some kids uh, at in Grand Rapids at the Send, and people have no idea what Toronto is. Yeah, well, it's a generation ago. Yeah, yeah. it's so crazy. It was so impactful in my life. But yeah. to catch people in, uh, don't know what to, yeah. Toronto was, 1994, the Holy Spirit fell yeah. in Toronto, and hundreds of thousands of people came from around the globe. Well, they estimate conservatively that over a um, seven-year period, between four and five million people around Whoa. the globe darkened, walked through the threshold of that church. It's it's absolutely amazing. Really? Yeah. And were you so you were in ministry at this point? Yeah, we had we had begun our ministry in uh, eighty two, traveling a lot to Europe, somewhat to Africa and things like that. And uh, we among other things, we helped start a church in San Diego, but we uh, ended up moving to Toronto to work with John and Carol Arnott and the small church there that yeah. was forming. It was, uh, when we got there, it was only about 120 people. Wow. Uh, and we moved in May of 92 in time to uh, do a prophetic conference uh, late that week. So we arrived on a Monday or Tuesday to this prophetic conference. And it was at that conference in a retreat center called Singing Waters in Orangeville, just about an hour and a half away from it. Lord gave me an open vision of Niagara Falls, uh, which I hadn't seen yet physically, but I saw Niagara Falls coming from the throne of God over the city of Toronto. And the Lord said he's going to pour out his spirit on Toronto uh, in a way that the church had never experienced in that region. And it was going to go from there to the nation. So it's quite a long, involved word. It was like four or five pages when we transcribed it. Wow. It had to do with breaking up rocks of religiosity and other things. But uh, to the point, the Lord said it's going to happen in late 93, early 94. And then the third week in January 94, it happened, you know. Incredible. Yeah. And so how many, what year did you get this word? 
uh, in uh, May of 92, about a year and a half, a little bit more than a year and a half before. Yeah. So I I know Randy Clark. Randy Clark's right. one of the guys that's known. I mean, I spent years traveling with him, known as being a part. John and Carol are not you. Yeah. The Campbells. There's a, I mean, the list can go on and on right. of people that were very influential in that outpouring. But would you say that was one of the catalysts that took you from, you know, being an international itinerant to more of the globe? Like, what was the impact on your life of the Toronto Revival? Well, um, we already had the international ministry somewhat established. I was going to the UK. I was going to Europe. I was going to um, uh, Africa, South Africa, a bit, and other places. But um, uh, certainly, um, so to speak, within... The charismatic church i became kind of a household name yeah. so to speak at that point in time yeah which is both good and bad you know okay what's the bad well the bad is uh historically um in our family in our in my marriage i had determined uh not to travel more than 120 140 days a year okay. uh there are a lot of itinerants that travel a lot more than that as you know but uh we felt for the sake of our family our kids and whatnot uh, but things just went ballistic um, right. in uh, 94 and things broke out. Um, up until that point, for about eight years, I'd done, for example, done a lot of ministry in Sweden. And um, I think it was maybe three months after the outpouring, I had a trip scheduled to Sweden. I show up at a church in Stockholm. And uh, there were so many people, including a busload of uh, church people who'd come from Finland for the meetings, they, the fire marshal actually closed the door. They wouldn't let any more people. And that's almost unheard of in Sweden to have to keep <laughs> right, people right. out of church. <laughs> so uh, that year, I ended up traveling uh, six and a half months, wow. as well as doing a lot of ministry speaking and whatnot in Toronto when I was home. But on top of that, my wife was the first of the pastoral couples. My wife and I were the first one to come pregnant early in 94. And so... Um, I mean, it was really bizarre. We had uh, about, we'd been there a year, and then we just felt led to the Lord to change homes, and we moved into this big old place that literally, I can't think it had five or six bedrooms. And at that time, it was just my wife and I, or our two little girls, and, you know, we, we were, you know, thinking, what are we doing? But yeah. then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit hit, and literally for the next year and a half, and all throughout my wife's pregnancy, we had people from around the world staying with us nonstop. Wow. You know, it was like a revolving door, you know. So if you could summarize the, what you feel the greatest impact of Toronto was on the globe, what do you, wh how, what would you, how would you summarize that? Uh, a tremendous call to intimacy with God. And that can come under uh, different aspects. The father heart of God was a huge one because that was a huge value of ours, a huge value of John and Carol and yeah. uh, You know, John 17, 3, Jesus said, this is eternal life that, Father, they might know you. Mm. Um, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And yeah. we live in a very, very broken society worldwide. And so many people are growing up without any... Uh, committed love from a father and sometimes a mother. So the internal basis of significance and security that God intends us to experience growing up in a family 
And, you know, we even see it in uh, leadership in the body of Christ, don't yeah. we? That there's so many people ministering to gain approval from God as opposed to what Jesus, you know, um, experienced, you know, coming out of the Jordan, ministering yeah. out of the Father's approval. Yeah. So uh, although Toronto is many things, uh, in many different ways, uh, brought a deeper, a lot of, uh, you know, I'd been in ministry 10 years at that time, and I, I knew I knew for a fact so many leaders were burnt out. Yep. So uh, guys came to Toronto, women came to Toronto, people in ministry, and the bakers were one, for example, yep. but uh, uh, just a deep, deep refreshing. Hmm. But the core of it to me was the Father's love and this incredible call of, for intimacy with the Lord. Wow. Come on. Okay, so... I know Heidi's origin story. I know, uh, you know, Randy's. I know Bill's. Yeah. I know nothing about how how you got started. Were you mentored by someone in the prophetic? How did this no. thing start? Can well, you, yeah. Yes and no. Uh, you know, I, I I got my my testimony was kind of again you say it was kind of a nondescript. Uh, I was just a, a mediocre guy. I played soccer in the high school soccer team and didn't do a whole lot of drugs. Smoked a little bit of dope. You know, <laughs> I was just. Um, uh, you know, just your average yeah. guy. And then a friend invited me to a Bible study at a pastor's house for teenagers, college-age kids. That was in 74, I got saved. Okay. And, and uh, really felt some sort of call of God in my life. Started attending seminary, started moving into some forms of leadership, first with youth and then doing adult Bible studies. And then I got baptized by the Holy Spirit at a different church. I went to a different church to take a series of classes on the Holy Spirit and uh, got filled with the Spirit, began to speak in tongues, but I still was maintaining my relationship with my the church that was uh, actually dispensationalist, didn't yep. believe in the gifts for today. Yeah. But the pastor who had, was really mentoring me, he was unfortunately, uh, wrongfully, I believe, uh, kicked out, terminated from his job. And so uh, some friends of mine were pastoring a Calvary chapel uh, and they said, Mark, we'd really love you to come here and do some teaching and leadership. So we did. And it was at that point I began to, without really realizing what was going on, gravitating more towards uh, the prophetic. And then in 1980, uh, uh, would have been 80, 81, mm -hmm. I think, we had Lonnie Frisbee from uh, the Vineyard of Anaheim now okay. come to our church and... Um, he, I remember he spoke a Sunday morning, spoke upon uh, how gossip and slander can devastate a church. I thought, okay, this is good. You know, yeah. Me being a, a bright-eyed seminary student, <laughs> I'm, I'm making sure all the I's are dotted, T's yep. are crossed. And, yep. and then he said, okay, tonight, uh, Sunday night meeting, we're going to have a time of waiting upon the Lord. And my first thought is, why? Well, God doesn't show up late like we do for church. Right, 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 right. But then he had a time of, led a time, uh, he spoke upon the personal Holy Spirit, and it was good, and led a time of ministry. And, you know, it, it, it was great, but by today's standards, or you compare it to a lot of outreach, right. it wasn't all that powerful compared to a lot of what we've seen. But uh, I had never experienced anything like that at that point. I mean, you could uh, sense deep in your heart uh, um, and sense in the spirit, but also see physically at times the Holy Spirit coming upon people. Well, interesting enough, um, the guy who was tra uh, not traveling, but tra uh, was close friends with uh, Lonnie by the name mm -hmm. of John Rudke. Yep. Um, he was with John and he came up to me during the ministry time and he said, I have a prophetic word for you. 
and uh, and you know I was a little bit dubious. I right. I still wasn't even sure if they're you know right prophecy was still an existing gift. You know I believed in healing and tongues and all that, but uh, and he said uh, and he pointed at Lonnie and. He said, and Lonnie had given a bit of his testimony, uh, traveling around the globe ministering that morning. And he said, what you heard Lonnie talking about this morning, going around ministering the spirit around the globe, that's what God is going to have you do. He's going to give you the wings of the eagle, like, you know, as a biblical metaphor and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And and that's all he said. And uh, it didn't make any sense to me. I, I was focused on being a church planner in those days. And uh, growing towards pastoring and whatnot. It didn't make any sense. But as I took that word and began to pray into it, I felt a deep conviction. And my wife and I got married about a year later, and we did end up starting a, a small church in San Bernardino area. But uh, increasingly, I began to get invitations to go and do seminars on the gifts of the Spirit and uh, prophecy, hmm. healing, and over about a year and a half period, we noticed there was a far greater anointing and blessings on doing that as opposed to the church we were trying to raise up. And, wow. uh, so we turned that over to somebody. And uh, But having said that, just to qualify things, because this is a really a, a pet peeve of mine, so many itinerants, prophets, evangelists, whatever, are not rooted and grounded in local churches. Yeah. I place a very high value on... Uh, relationships and being in um, accountable relationships, yeah. not only for people to call us on the right. on the floor sometimes, on the mat sometimes, but also to love us and strengthen us. You yeah. know? So uh, every church we've ever been in, whether it was the church we helped start in San Diego, Toronto, and then for a while in Indiana and 10 years in Ohio and the last eight years back with the church we helped start in San Diego, I've, uh, we've always been in tight relationship with churches, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I'm a huge believer. You know, uh, can I go off on a... You do whatever ten, you want. Okay, yeah. ten, ten seconds. We have uh, no agenda. Spiel. You know, um, one of the uh, historical, uh, tragic, continual mistakes in the charismatic and Pentecostal churches were wowed by anointing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, um, anointing, we can seek God for that. We can grow in that and praise God for men and women that are superbly anointed. Yeah. But uh, what you cannot impart to people is character and integrity. And a lot of times people say, uh, what is God's will for my wife? life? Well, yeah. I mean, a prophetic word. Well, God's will for your life is Romans eight twenty nine, being conformed to the image of Christ Jesus. And that takes place within the context of the one anothering, being hmm. committed relationships and living that out. And so, you know, the Apostle Paul said the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart. So it doesn't matter whether I or you or whoever were out in the road uh, ministering healing, training on healing or prophecy or whatever. Right. It's not so we can be healers. It's not so we can be prophets, but uh, we can live in healthy kingdom uh, quality relationships mm. you know that's the end goal and so you know um I, i've known quite a few we all know a lot uh, but men and women that are out there visiting churches but they're uh maybe wonderfully anointed but they're not in committed relationships Oof. to me that's a real red flag I, I was talking uh last yesterday i was having a barbecue at one of our friends house and there was what three or four itinerants in the room, and 
there were some people that were kind of as well, like people that were raising up to get in the itinerary. And we just told stories of all the people that we know yeah. that have gone off. The, the most anointed people that we know that have, that have gone off. And it was funny because they were like, well, how can they be so anointed and then go off? And then the question was brought up, why, why are they so anointed? Yeah. Right. Like why, why isn't it do, why isn't God pouring out that anointing yeah. on people that go to church are part yeah. of a community in a healthy marriage? Well, those, I didn't have an answer. Well, those, the gifts of God are given without repentance. Right. You know, uh, I mean, God always, um, maybe there's the wrong word to use, but hopes the best for us that will be really responsible with relationships and our callings and giftings. But, you know, um, sometimes we become legends in our own mind and, yeah. a, and a law unto ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we all, it doesn't matter who we are, we all need somebody from time to time who will sit down with us and say, you know, we really love you, we honor you, we're glad yeah. you're here, but yeah. there's a few areas you need to work on, your marriage or your fathering or, yeah. you know, uh, whatever. You know? Yeah. We need I, that. We do. And the prophets that I probably respect the most, at least the prophetic voices that, that I get to travel around and, and be with the ones that I respect most, most are all either pastoring a local church yeah. or they're a hundred percent a great part. We were talking about Dave Wagner. He's a good friend. He's been yeah. on this before. You know, he's a, he's a major part of the church that you were ministering at. Yeah. Uh, he's there constantly. And David's a, uh, committed husband, committed father. Yep. Yeah. He loves his family, loves his family. That is a man of integrity. Yeah. Um, Listen, I know we do have a limited amount of time yeah. today because of the airport. Yeah. I, I, there's a million things that I want to yeah. talk about. But uh, before, before, because I, I also want to spin this, I want to send this over to you because I think as we were talking before, you do have something very specific that you want to share. Let me ask one other question because, and I don't know if you notice this as you've been traveling, there is a hesitancy on the prophetic, I think after the election stuff, right? Uh, I would love to hear your take on what went down in the, as, as a, prof, you know, as somebody who's been doing this for years, yeah. traveling, teaching, preaching, uh, I would love to hear your perspective on what happened with the elections and the, and the calling prophet. of the prophetic yeah. on the carpet. Yeah. It yeah. seemed. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> if you're okay, no, I'm okay. Yeah. No, I've actually done a number of yeah. discussions and, uh, podcasts on this very topic. Um, and this is not a to point a finger at any not particular at all. person, but uh, both Jeremiah and Ezekiel talked about prophesying out of the imagination. So if you go to extreme with that, uh, you think about just prophesying out of idolatry or, you know, wrongful motivation. But I think a lot of the so-called prophetic words that Trump was going to win. And let me back up and say, well, people say, well, Trump did win. Mm hmm. But the election was stolen. Right. Okay, well, let's go back to the grind board. You didn't receive the whole revelation then, did you? Because <laughs> yeah. you didn't say anything about that. Right. Uh, but um, I, I think a trap that lends itself to sometimes prophesying out of the imagination is we can see a need. Uh, like, for example, with Trump. Uh, I'm not a Trumpite, but I loved a lot of his values. And I love the fact that he did not want federal taxpayer dollars supporting abortion, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so there were uh, a lot of reasons why, and, and as I watched uh, over his 
uh, presidency, um, uh, minority uh, home ownership rise, yep. minority unemployment go down. Right. You know, there were a lot of good things. A lot of so, great things. So I could look in the natural, especially mm-hmm. because I'm very much against abortion, and say, yes, we need Trump back in office. But something I want to uh, move towards a little bit later if we have time in the conversation is – you know, Job said we have barely touched the edges of God's ways. Mm. I think we make judgments or assessments based on our understanding, and we project that towards what we think God wants right. to do. So, again, I, I'm, I was thinking kind of watching I'd love it and Trump win, but it's easy to project that to saying, you know, if you're not careful— the Lord says, because you right. see maybe what you think a vital need and you think, well, God's all about righteousness. God is against abortion. Right. So that must be what God's right. saying. But but here's a question I would throw at you sure. and the audience is why in the world in the charismatic and Pentecost church does anybody want a prophetic word about who's going to win the election? Great question. If you've ever talked or listened to a podcast and interview with somebody who's been able to get out of Venezuela, North Korea, they will tell you that to vote is a God-given privilege. Right. So if that is true, which I think it is, a God, why aren't we really sussing out the candidates mm-hmm. and voting not according to the Lord says, yeah. but according to our conscience? And then I've, I've shared that, and people have come back to me and said, well, in Old Testament guides, God prophesied he was going to be king. But that was a theocracy. That was right. not a democracy where each citizen— today has a responsibility for God. Right. So, and for so those would, who don't know what a theocracy is. A theocracy was Israel, yep. a God-led country, yep. you know, a government uh, based on God. Uh, and so his values, his ways, you mm-hmm. know, the laws and all of that. But, you know, if someone like uh, Elijah, Jeremiah, you know, or Samuel said, this is the next king, well, that's yep, it. That was know? it. Yeah. Yeah. So I would pose that question. Why do people even want a prophetic word? So let me play uh, angel's advocate. Yeah. Uh, I think that, I think that people, I I look at it this way. I think number one, as a minister, it feels good when you get a word that's right. And especially something as significant as the president, right? I think it lends an air, like it lends to their credibility, right? So I think I think there's probably some pride in there. Right? Like and I would be the first one to say I have done that. Okay. Not over presidents I, uh, but uh, whether it's praying, you know, finding the the person in the wheelchair running up and praying for them when yeah. I didn't have the faith for it or yeah. you know, because I wanted that clip. Yeah. Right? I wanted to be able to show that video. Mm-hmm. I I would be the first one to admit that. So I think there's an air of that in it, right? I think it's pride. Uh, but I also think that you know, call those things that are not as though they are. I think like what you said, you were like, this is what I would like to see happen. And I'm prophesying out of my imagination. I'm prophesying out of my, what I want to happen, not necessarily what I'm hearing the Lord. And I just, I just thought it was fascinating to see, you you know, there was a season, I want to say 12, 13 years ago, when it felt like the itinerant uh, power evangelist got called to the carpet. Yeah. Uh, and then it, 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 during the elections, felt like the prophetic was called to the carpet. Yeah. It felt good. It felt yeah. good not to be the, on the carpet. Because yeah. uh, I remember 12, 13 years ago, it was a horrible feeling. Yeah. I lost, I lost uh, almost a year's worth of speaking engagements in a month. Everybody pulled out. They didn't want young power evangelists anymore. 
Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's just it's just interesting. You know, you've been around, you've been doing this a long time, but forty something years. But there's another aspect that goes hand in hand with that. Um, that we want to be right, we want to be in front of a wave or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but there's also what I call the party spirit, and I saw this. I mean, I've been around a long time. I saw this happen with Y two K. Oh, yeah. And that first one prophetic voice prophesied, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the whole economy of the whole world is going to come to standstill, but God would use that for revival. Then another voice picked up, another voice picked up, and and things did not come to a standstill. The computers did not stop working. Mm -hmm. And so I suspect that um, FOMO, fear of missing out, uh, same thing with the the last presidential election. Somebody heard somebody prophesying Trump's going to win. Well, yeah, yeah, he's going to win. Right. Let's say the on. Lord, you know, yeah. that's, uh, what do you think? What do you think about, uh, like, you know, no, no mates, no dates, no babies. Right. Yeah. Should there be, that's like a prophetic rule, right? When you're teaching the prophetic, do you think there should be no political added to that? Because not, I know prophets that have no, called yeah, no, presidents a year and a half before yeah, they were no, ever elected. No, no, not necessarily. Uh, but I, I do believe we've got to get back to Jesus's mandate of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Mm. And so, um, and this gets into a bigger picture. Um, I think there's a a huge difference between prophetic ministries and the actual prophet. Some people call it the office of the prophet. That word isn't in the original language, but the role, the mantle of a prophet. And prophetic ministries can prophesy over everybody. Mm -hmm. They can train, but... Uh, a prophet is can do that, but it's, he's different or she's different in that um, typically they're burden bearers or carrying seasonal messages from the throne of God to the church, but also something much more important. Um, just as John, quote, the revelator did, I maintain that what an evangelist is to the unchurched, someone who can help yep. them see Jesus, that's what the, the role of the prophet should be the church to help behold the glory of the Lord. And I think um, something, uh, if we have time, I want to segue into a little bit, if you're okay. Go for it right now. Yeah, we we got about a half hour before you need to catch a flight. That that first vision, I actually had three visions over a year and a half about Toronto, four really. Mm -hmm. But the final one I had uh, about just three months before things broke out, was of the throne of God itself, and the Father and Jesus were there, of course. And uh, uh, the globe, like a giant blow-up beach ball, was hovering before the throne of God, mm. and the Father was breathing his Ruach breath mm. of the Spirit upon the world, and uh, the Spirit was landing in significant places, coming upon uh, different cities, different ministries. But the interesting thing was, as he was doing this, Jesus was laughing with this deep, deep down uh, belly laughter. And uh, I thought, well, he's excited. You know, the Father's giving the nations to him as inheritance. The Lord laughs at his enemies, some too. But that was a little bit of an indicator I didn't quite pick up on, that when the outpouring hit, there'd be so much of the joy of the yeah. Lord. And I mean, I was in conferences sometimes we'd see 500 people more at one time all overcome with holy laughter and on and on but to fast forward to about six years ago in uh, Jerusalem uh, I was there for uh, five nights and 
four days of meetings to help uh, lead a prophetic thing. There were no schedule, uh, scheduled speakers. We were just meeting before every meeting, about a dozen of us. And mm. uh, that was with David Demian, the watchman, you probably know. Yep. Yeah. Um, but uh, I received a, a second, uh, very similar open vision of the throne of God. And again, the Father was breathing, but this was very different. Um, uh, his his breath, as it went forth, turned into like drops of rain. Like if you've ever been in a huge storm where rain's coming, but it's almost going horizontal mm-hmm. because of the wind. It was like that going towards, again, this the globe hovering before the throne of God. But as those drops went forth, they turned into drops of blood, symbolic of the blood of the Lamb, a, a new wave of... The, you could call it revival or whatever, but the compassion of God hurting broken sin. You know, yeah. we look at our city state, we were a broken, messed yeah. up culture on yeah. every front. You know, yeah. um, I, I think we're not only uh, ripe for revival, but we're desperate for it. Uh, more than that, awakening. But having said that, everywhere these drops landed in certain cities, fire sprang up. And I, I felt like the Lord said this, in the coming move and moves of the Spirit that are coming, it's not just going to be replete with an increase of uh, salvations and healings and miracles, signs and wonders, but going back to like what Whitfield and Wesley, yep. they saw what happened in the Outer Hebrides in the late 40s and yep. 50s. There's going to be a, a fresh revelation to the church that we have not had in a long time of the holiness of the Lord Jesus, the majesty of the mm. Lord, and the glory of the Lord. And... I, you know, I, I think getting back to how many, how could so many trusted, many mm-hmm. most of them trusted yep. prophetic voices be yep. wrong? I think in a way, not, not to point fingers at the prophetic, but I think that uh, was in a um, the micro or the macro that uh, we, we have had a lot of moves of spirit and we're probably much more adept in intercessory prayer than we were 50 years ago in the church, but yep. we're... Uh, I don't believe we're highly intimate with the Lord. I think to a degree, particularly the body of Christ in the Western world, we're more uh, consumer-oriented. We're more focused on the blessings. Hmm. And I don't want to you know, point some either or finger because yeah. it's both. We all know so many amazing men and women yep. that are sold out for the Lord. But even when it comes to the prophetic, as I said a few moments ago, we're more focused on prophesying events blessings, breakthroughs, promotions, right. Right. as opposed to behold the glory of the Lord, you know. Um, and I think that uh, where we're headed, uh, we're going to uh, be experiencing a lot, um, like happened with Azusa Street, the fire of God's holiness, the glory mm. of God. Mm. And uh, uh, that's something that's really, for the most part, been missing uh, been uh, absent from a lot of the moves of the Spirit we've had in the last hundred years, with wow. the exception of the Hebrides. You know, are you seeing this start anywhere yet? Have you seen anything? Or Little glimpses. glimpses. Yeah. Um, in March of this year, I was uh, invited. There's a church in uh, Harrow, North London, England. Okay, I've had I've had almost a thirty year history with. Wow. At one point, they named me an honorary pastor. I've gone through so much. <laughs> But uh, they contacted me uh, last year, and they said, uh, we're going to be going through eight days of uh, fasting and special meetings as a church. 
everybody fasting the day, coming to meetings at night, and having dinner afterwards, breaking bread there in the church Amazing. building. It's a, it's an incredible church. They've got like sixty or seventy different ethnic groups. Wow! In that church, you know, primarily people from Africa, Asia, uh, you know, all over. But um, but anyway, so yeah, I I, I felt prayed, felt felt I should go, and so this was the the kind of the schedule. Uh, the first meeting with the two meetings Sunday morning and Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, and and then finishing on the following weekend uh, or that Sunday coming up. Um, so you know, usually things are progressive. Usually, you know, you skim your your toe in the shallow end. And, right. Um, on the second song of the first meeting Sunday morning, all of a sudden, the holiness of the Lord came down hmm. and. Uh, uh, the pastor, great guy, Albert, he looked at me and said, well, what do you think we should do? I said, uh, don't get up to introduce me yet. Let's, and, and we just worshiped quite a long time. And then Albert never even introduced me. And I don't, I don't even think we got to the offerings and announcements. But I just got up and spoke about a little bit about the glory of God for about oh. 10 minutes. We went back into worship, worship all the way through the meeting, all the way through the breaks between mm -hmm. the two services. Uh, we worshiped for at that point, like an hour and a half straight and people coming in, couldn't find seats and you know, that whole thing. And then, and it continues straight through the second service. Well, we didn't exactly see that happen every meeting, but that set the tone mm. of the week of meetings. Mm. Um, the, it, it, unfortunately, uh, certain words in the contemporary church, like holiness, uh, have really been lopsided, uh, have, have had a lopsided perspective. We think of holiness as, uh, oh, what can I do and get away with it? What can I not do? Right. right. <laughs> uh, but that's really such a shallow part of, uh, of a perspective of holiness. Holiness is really uh, being consumed with the nature of Christ, the goodness of Christ, the peace and joy of the kingdom, the purity of the Lord. There's, mm -hmm. there's so much life in that. Um, and the word repentance, you know, we, we think about the word repentance. Okay. The evangelist or prophet is in town, get out the Kleenex. There's going to yeah. be people with snot going to the forward. Oh, I'll never do that again. Well, th I, that maybe has a part in it, but, um, really the word repent, we think about a penthouse apartment to see things from a higher perspective. You know, it's when Jesus said, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand as John the Baptist did, then the disciples did. He wasn't just so much saying, stop your filthy sinning. Mm. He was saying, get a new perspective. Yep. The kingdom is here. God yep. is here. Me Emmanuel. Change, and change that changes mind. everything. Yep. Um, so I, I believe we're, we're uh, I believe with all my heart. I mean, I've been in ministry, as I said, for over 40, four decades now. Uh, I'm more excited about what's coming up. Uh, uh, a lot of places we're seeing an increased uh, freedom for healings and miracles, mm. certain things. Um, but I believe, um, and, uh, just to get into a little bit dangerous territory, Go for it. I'm not, I love danger. I'm not predicting prophesying when the Lord's returning, but, uh, having said that, I, I know I, I kind of jokingly say that, uh, my, um, my fiance's relationship before we got married, you know, we dated for several months, then got engaged and we had an 11 month engagement. 
And the closer we got to the actual wedding date, the less fun the relationship began. Because I wanted to go out and just have a good dinner, go to a movie, just mm. walk on the beach. She wanted to talk about how many bridesmaids, how many right. groomsmen, the, you know, the venue, and it just went on and on. Right. And I was thinking, no, we're not having fun here. Or I'm not having fun. Right. Uh, but, um, and I've seen this uh, both of my two daughters have gotten married in the last uh, two years. And uh, the wedding uh, ceremony has been the front yard, the wedding party in the back. And so, you know, we're very involved in all of that. But I think, again, I'm not prophesying predicting, but I think the closer the bride gets to the return of the bridegroom, the more of a seriousness mm. there's going to become about the relationship. By seriousness, I don't mean... Uh, you know, let's wear religious clothes yeah. or act or talk in a certain fashion, but uh, we're going to be more and more consumed and gripped by the bridegroom, Jesus. Wow. That's the closer we get to his return. Yeah. So I was just with Andy Bird. I don't know if you're familiar with Andy no. Bird, YWAM. He's going around doing these things called the send. I'm sure you're familiar with the call that Lou Engel yeah. did. Yeah. They're doing the send yeah. and gathering anyone but the call is to be sent out, right? Yeah. Um, and Andy, Andy shared this with me over the last few years, uh, and he shared it again at a meeting bef right before the send, this last one that we did. And the statistic is 20 years ago, there was 3,000, uh, maybe, maybe it's 2,500 or 3,000 unengaged people groups on the planet. And all these ministries got together and they said, this won't stand. YWAM, Wycliffe, like a bunch of, of missional organizations came together. And they basically divided them up. And that what, what un unreached is different than unengaged. Unengaged is there's no Bible. There's no believers in that tongue, in right. that language. They right. said, this won't stand. So over the last 20 years, uh, they've gone full force at this. And as of today, I think there's about 140 left. Yeah. yeah. Which means in the next three to five years, yeah. there'll be zero unengaged people groups. That means in every tribe and tongue, the gospel will have been preached in some in some capacity. I know I'm not making it weird. I'm not a. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, but but yeah, this is. I think this is as far as a missional standpoint. Yeah. getting the gospel out globally, yeah. we're actually coming to a place statistically yeah. where we can reach the entire planet. Yeah. in a moment yeah and uh i think we are going into a new season yeah. of the church and and you know the fastest growing church movement is pentecostal spirit-filled pentecostal charismatic yes. yeah. right i think it's over 300 million uh right now the fastest growing church in the globe is in iran yeah and they yeah. and many think second is Af afghanistan, afghanistan. Yeah. yeah and so we and these were impossible you know, these were impossibilities right. a few years ago. We're, we're at a very, yeah. like everybody, I think a lot of the times when we've talked prophetically or about the move of the spirit, most, most people from the West, they think their nation, right? Okay. But I think globally, it, we are at a place of thousands of years of the gospel going out, yeah. uh, technology, right? Yeah. The internet, cell phones. Right now we're reaching, we have the potential to reach the entire globe. As you're processing you know, 40 something years when you started out, yeah. you know, I think it was probably radio and maybe TV had just started with the TV evangelism. Right. I mean, did you ever think you'd, you'd end up witnessing anything like this? 
No, well, <laughs> there was, uh, when I first gotten saved, Hal Lindsey, late great planet Earth, you know, the Lord's returning, then the Lord's returning in 82, 88 reasons why the Lord's coming back. Right. All of that, you right. know. We had uh, in the back of our minds, some more than others, this firm belief that just uh, coming back, just coming back, and, and there's going to be an acceleration of times. But no, it is, uh, uh, you know, I, no, just speaking, of, you know, I, I say this tongue in cheek, but I believe that if people like John and Charles Wesley, George Whitfield could mm -hmm. have been alive today, mm. they would have chosen, you know, because wow. it is such a, an amazing, dramatic time of how the gospel is moving, you know. Uh, yeah, I had the the privilege two summers ago of being in a kind of a uh, invitation only meeting in California, hearing some of the apostolic leaders from the church in Iran talk about what's going mm. on, and it's just it's just mind boggling what the yeah. Lord's doing. But yet, I, I you know, um, although I have ministered uh, in Asia, particularly uh, Taiwan, South Korea, a few other places, and I've done I've done over forty five ministry trips uh, to different places in Africa, and I love minister in Africa, I lo love minister in Asia. The primary call in my life, the Lord made this clear many, many years ago, is to the Western world nations. Mm. Uh, we um, name our ministry as Mantle of Praise Ministries. Well, the, the public title is marked upon ministries, but mm -hmm. legally it's Mantle Praise, and straight out of Isaiah, the Spirit's upon us. But when you continue reading that passage, it goes on to restore the ancient ruins. So the vision, the primary vision of my life in ministering to the body of Christ is to see uh, cities like London, cities like Los Angeles, mm. cities like, uh, you know, uh, all, over, all over the East Coast here, in yeah. a certain place in Canada and Europe, uh, Germany, for example, that at one time experienced revival or an awakening even and we're strong in uh, Judaic Christian values, but also at times revival to see those fires renewed. That's mm. that's my vision. So I, I'm, I'm just as amazed as anybody what's happening around the globe. But uh, my burden is for the Western world nations to come again into wow. something. You know? wow. And I believe we're, I, I, I truly, the, and the reality is, as we think about revival, even Toronto, what happened mm -hmm. there, Brownsville, and historical revivals the last 10 years, revival, or even a, a, a several more revivals in the United States, is not really going to change things. We're too far gone. We've gone past uh, a tipping point, I believe, of calling evil good and good evil in our society. Mm -hmm. We don't need more revival. We need an awakening. Mm. You know, uh, we need a, a, another great awakening, uh, mm. and we've had four or five of them historically in the United States. Uh, but we're we're desperate for one, and I yeah. and I believe that's on God's heart. Come on, come on, Mark. Well, uh, let me just fire off a couple of quick questions as I have about five more minutes. Okay. Uh, who are prophetic voices that you listen to? If like, give me your top three. This is going to sound incredibly arrogant. Not at all. I don't. I love that. <laughs> okay, so walk us through that. Well, part of that is for my own protection yep. because uh, you've probably you've probably <laughs> heard the joke that uh, the first time a preacher repeats something they heard, they mm -hmm. quote the person who said it. The second time they say. Uh, somewhere I heard the third time they say God told me. <laughs> so that hits hard. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I've done uh, 
so many people that you're friends with mm-hmm. in the prophetic movement are, are good friends of mine. And it's not to take away the importance or the validity of, of ministries out there. But for my sake, years ago, I felt like the Lord said, Mark, just pay attention to me. And then when you meet people or there's overlapping, you can receive confirmation, encouragement. You can have fun with that. But, you know, I talked about the party spirit. Uh, I'm very susceptible to the party spirit. Yeah. I'm very susceptible to FOMO. So, right, right. so to uh, guard myself, I, I really, I, I never look at the internet uh, mm-hmm. at, at what other prophetic people are saying. Um, I do have a lot of friends out there, uh, like Pastor Jeff Dollar, I'm with his yeah. church, and you know he's in tune with a lot of people. You're in tune with a lot. Of, I have a lot of friends that are really know a lot of what's going on. I enjoy hearing about that, but. Um, the other thing is, uh, uh, I, I just I don't want to be swayed, uh, you know, that whether the what the Lord's saying to me is rather obscure to what He's saying to a lot of other people, mm-hmm. or whether it's very much in line. Mm. I want to I want to have the, the the integrity to yep. stand on that, to focus on wow. that. Wow, you know. Okay, so who are some people? Uh, past or present that that you really run with. I, I want to get like who are people that you looked up and admired in the prophetic? Like because okay, I'll say my life. It's been you know Randy Clark and sure. of course Bill Johnson and yeah. uh, you know as far as that have mentored me. Was there anybody like that that that? Well, way back in the eighties, um, after that uh, night with uh, Lonnie Frist, my home church back in eighty or eighty one. Um, after that, uh, there was a period of time I hung out a bit with Lonnie Frisbee from yeah. um, probably 82 to about 88. But uh, unfortunately, his past and a lot of hurts he'd gone through uh, caught up with them. And, and um, uh, it got to the point where it, I just felt I had to uh, yeah. not do that. But he was, uh, Lonnie was not a, a prophet that you'd want to be mentored to by this is how you do it, mm. but rather his heart for the Lord. He had just yeah. an amazing hunger for the Lord. He had a, this unabashed uh, passion for the Lord, and he also had a great boldness. If he sensed the Lord was going to do something, he just went for yeah. it. And it was those kind of things. But then you fast forward in the 90s, uh, late 80s, 90s, I did a lot of um, conferences where I was one of two or three, four speakers, and there were a lot of prophetic guys I mixed with, but um, I was uh, very, very grieved in my heart when John Paul Jackson yeah. passed on. I had done a couple of, um, participated in doing some sessions. That's the convergences John Paul was doing. Uh, we collaborated on a, on a work, a New Testament prophetic protocol. Um, you know, uh, I had enormous respect for yeah. him. And not that he was perfect, no. uh, but he, you know, as as the Psalms say about David, he shepherded Israel, not only to the skill of his hands, but the integrity of his yeah. heart. Yeah. And John Paul modeled that. There yeah. was a, uh, he had just this hunger for the glory of God, mm-hmm. but he was also a man, I would say, of, of humility. A hundred percent. I think so beautifully said. Yeah. I had the pleasure of spending time with him. Yeah later in his life, yeah. but I spent time um, listening to him and his teachings on the on, yeah. on yeah. dream interpretation. F- 
for those of you who are listening that have no idea who we're talking about, um, John Paul Jackson was such a powerful voice in the prophetic, but he took a whole entire generation of spirit-filled believers, and even ones that weren't. I, he, it was crazy, the stories he had, and brought them into a biblical understanding of dream interpretation. He would make these little statements. Like, I, I, I was sitting with him. He said, Will, do you know how many uh, you know, spiritual beings there are in the Bible? I'm like, I don't know, four or five or yeah. And he, and, he, and he listed off the number. I forget what it was. It was he, But he started listing off all the different biblical references. Yeah. And I was like, man, this guy studies the word. Yeah. He knows the word. Yeah. He knows the Lord. And he interpreted a dream for me once yeah. that rocked me. Yeah. And I had six, seven, eight different prophetic people interpret this dream. It was all wrong. Yeah. Except John Paul is like, oh, that's easy. You know, I tell him this thing very yeah. quickly. Oh, that's super easy. You're you're raising up a guy in ministry and and you're not supposed to release yeah. him yet. And I was getting ready to release somebody a week later. That man, that man was incredible. Yeah. We we owe so much to him. Thank you for bringing up his name, man. I when he passed on to go be with the Lord, it felt like the movement the spirit-filled, charismatic yeah. movement lost a general, yeah. and he did not get the recognition, yeah. in my opinion, that he deserved. Yeah, I, it I seemed like very, he disappeared. Very much agree with that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I actually, I have one of his T-shirts. His wife gave me a T-shirt <laughs> of his, and I, I keep it, uh, I keep it in my closet. But there, there's a, a, a number of people out there I respect. There's some uh, prophetic ministries in the UK and. Uh, uh, Europe. I'll be doing a conference uh, end of September, uh, early October in Switzerland with a guy there. His father started a prophetic movement in Switzerland and very, um, but you know, um, you've mentioned David Wagner. David Wagner yeah. is someone I very much respect. Yeah. You know, um, uh, there's, there's, there's some good people. Uh, yeah. Well, there's some great people out there and yeah. there's a lot of good people. So I don't want to come across to your audience like uh, uh, I've got the way of the prophet, and no, there's no. It's just you that, didn't come off that, that way I, at I, all. I've, I've just, you know, I've just had a, a different journey. Uh, God's called me on. Mark, I love. I actually love that answer yeah. because I think a lot of people. It's hard. It's hard to prophesy when you have an opinion about someone or something, yeah. and I think. I actually really appreciate that answer. Uh, and if people don't get it, they yeah. they need to spend more time. Because it, it it I pick up on things that other people are are doing in ministry times. I pick up on mannerisms, I pick up on yeah. you do. And yeah. I think I think that's a really I think that shows your integrity yeah. and wanting ability to to want to stay pure. And the reality is you've been doing this longer than most. And if I could just say one more course. thing really quickly before you uh, break off. For those of you that have, uh, for maybe decades now, been uh, pursuing healing and signs and wonders, I want to encourage you to uh, let the Lord uh, stir up the faith department in your the pool of your heart right now, because we're coming into a greater freedom to display God's compassion than we've been in for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, can you just pray for him, if yeah. that's okay? And we can, we can, yeah. I and mean, we yeah. got to get you to the airport. Father God, we, we just come before you in the amazing name of Jesus. And uh, 
Lord, I want to thank you for each and every person listening, no matter where they're at in their journey with you, that you have more for them than their eyes have seen, their ears have heard, more than we can begin to imagine. But you promised us that you would lead us and guide us by your Spirit, Lord God, that we would dream dreams, prophesy, and whether directly or other people prophesying to us, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, for a fresh stirring in the hearts of folks, myself as well right now. Mm -hmm. Lord, um, you're about to do things on a different level than we've seen before. But Lord, help us to be, uh, if we want to see a 10, 20, 30, 50% increase, whatever we're thinking, help us to be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50% more submitted to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, teach us your ways that we might know you, Lord. Unite our hearts uh, with the fear of the Lord, Lord. And uh, mm. I pray particularly, Lord, and uh, a lot of uh, church leaders are listening right now, um, just out of the overflow of your presence, Lord, would you bring about an increase for healings and miracles, Lord mm. God, that would display in just radical ways the compassion of God the Father. Mm. And Lord... Um, uh, even as the Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, that the eyes of their heart would be opened in the knowledge of the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, would you give us that same spirit, so to speak, spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Enlighten the eyes of our heart to behold your glory, that we could walk and live and breathe and minister out of uh, life-changing revelation of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mark, thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having for, me. For hanging out. Before we sign off, if people want to get in touch, website, books, anything? Uh, uh, sure. You know, I've, uh, I've written a number of books, but one book I'm really uh, pushing right now as uh, I wrote it. Um, it was published, I think, seven years ago, eight years ago. So it's a little bit dated, but uh, I, I didn't have any idea how appropriate it would be for this time frame we're in. Is called breakthrough in times of breakdown, and it's not a uh, it's not a uh, uh, quick prosperity uh, methodology, <laughs> but it's about walking the ways of God so we can experience His faithfulness in all sorts of ways. Um, it's the launching point of that book is in Psalm thirty-seven, uh, verses eighteen and nineteen, I believe, where it says, "The righteous will prosper even during a time of famine." So as we look at all the economic shaking, political shaking, um, we don't have to succumb to fear, but the Lord will lead us and guide us, even have the overflow to minister out of. And so uh, I'd really uh, encourage you, if uh, you're seeking vision, seeking encouragement for what lies ahead for you, and uh, particularly there's some things God has been speaking to you, about your future that seem a little bit elusive, that might be a great tool to help Come you. On. And where can they find that? Uh, uh, Mark with a C, markdupontministries.org. That's our website. Fantastic. That's our, yeah. Mark, you're amazing. Thank you for taking this time. Thank you for coming this morning. Uh, thank you. And uh, so It's a pleasure. Thank you're you. You're welcome here anytime. Uh, thanks. And uh, guys, thank you for watching. Uh, you know what to do. Share this with someone. Like, hit subscribe. Hit the bell. It just helps us. Like, honestly, it helps us get this out in front of more people. It helps the algorithm. You all know the stuff. You don't need me to say it. I love you guys and we will see you on the next Iris Global Green Room. Awesome. <laughs>